Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. We are on the air. We are glad you're with us on this Wednesday. Beautiful Wednesday. We are uh, at November 15th and uh, above 60 degrees, man. I'll take it. Every day we're uh, decent weather. There's one day we don't have bad weather. Love it. Love it. Hell, you could still go out and play some golf today if you wanted to. That's how nice it is. Heck, yeah. Uh, 877-867-1670. And uh, now what we do is uh, we go to our buddy Mark Schofield of SB Nation and uh, talk to him about the rest of the NFL. Mark, how you doing, man? I am doing well, Bill. Great as always to be with you. Uh, let, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about. I mean, there's uh, obviously the big news of the day is Deshaun Watson out for the season. Shoulder fracture. It's going to require immediate surgery. He's expected to be back for the 2024 season. But that division, and we've got a big game coming up tomorrow night. you got Cleveland and Pittsburgh playing each other this week. Cincinnati on the road playing the Baltimore Ravens. They've already lost to Baltimore earlier this season. Cincinnati's trying to make this resurgent. They're banged up. Uh, they're at the bottom of that division. Baltimore could deliver the knockout blow tomorrow night. Let's start with that game tomorrow night and give me your thoughts on the AFC North. I mean, it's still, it kind of has been throughout this season the most fascinating division. And now it's taken sort of a very intriguing turn with the Deshaun Watson news. You know, it's hard to sort of sit here right now because let's not forget where we were a week ago what I was sort of making the case to you on this spot that, hey, Ravens might be one of the best teams in NFL history through nine games. Then what happened? They go out and lose. And now they have to come back from that on a short week, facing a lot of questions about how this team that is so talented, so good, you know, so creative on both sides of the ball, keeps giving away leads. I mean, they blew a 14-point lead twice in that game, which is something that they haven't done since I think it was a 2014 divisional round against the New England Patriots. And so they've got to bounce back here in a short week. But then you have the Cincinnati Bengals who also have to bounce back in a short week, who have just lost to the Houston Texans, another team that we were sort of saying, hey, look, Bengals are back now, right? They figured it out. Joe Burrow is healthy, but their receivers are sort of banned up. T. Higgins is sort of banned up. You know, this is, this is a, in my mind, a playoff game. You know, because I think the loser of this game is in serious trouble in that division. And then you look at the other two teams now, Cleveland in a situation where they have to put all their hopes on, it looks to be Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a rookie quarterback out of UCLA, who was impressive during training camp and didn't get a start already this year. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. And Pittsburgh is just getting it done. I mean, that's the thing about this Steelers team. We've talked about them before. They just seem to find ways to stay in games with their defense, to then do just enough on the offensive side of the ball to get wins. And you look at their remaining schedule. I mean, they've got this game against Cleveland. They've got this game against Cincinnati these next two weeks. And both games are on the road. Those will be critical for them. Other than that, they've got a lot of winnable games. They get Arizona. They get New England. They get Indianapolis. I mean, they've got a lot of winnable games left. This may be setting up rather nicely for Pittsburgh to make a run. The uh, the the injury to Watson, like you said, uh, they've got enough defense that if they just get some offense, they could probably sustain because I believe they have a Super Bowl-containing defense, without a doubt, uh, just whether or not the offense is going to be able to keep up. And losing Nick Chubb obviously hurt their run game and such, but I still think Cleveland is a threat. Cincinnati is intriguing because they started to come back after the slow start with Joe Burrow, but all of their losses, they've lost to the Browns, they've lost to the Ravens, they've lost to the Titans and lost to the Texans. All their losses are in the AFC. 
and they're losing those tiebreakers one by one down the stretch, which is why tomorrow night I think if the Ravens beat them, uh, the Ravens will not only have another game between them and the top spot in the division for that particular com- or for, the, for that particular division against Cincinnati, but this may drop Cincinnati completely out of it. I mean, they're right now on the outside looking into the wild card picture as it is. Then after that, like you mentioned, they've got the Steelers, Jacksonville, who just got dump trucked by San Francisco. But is Jacksonville for real because some of the teams that they've beaten aren't that good? Or is this a team that just, you know, hey, had one hiccup against a really good San Francisco team? But I think tomorrow night, if Cincinnati loses this game, this might be it for their season. Yeah, I think that's exactly right for a lot of the reasons you sort of walked through. You start thinking about, A, how tight this division is, B, how tight the AFC writ large is, tiebreakers may very well come into play. And with all of these losses that they've got, both in the division and in the AFC at large, I mean, let's face it, you know, this head-to-head loss to Houston may be a deciding factor because now the Houston Texans have played themselves back into the playoff mix. And this is a, as I said, I'm viewing this game tomorrow night between Baltimore and Cincinnati as a playoff game. Because I think the team that loses this game is going to be in trouble. No doubt, 100%. Now you go over to the Buffalo Bills in the AFC East. They fire their, uh, they, they fire their uh, offensive coordinator. Dorsey is out. And when you look at some of the numbers that they put up, some of the scoring that they put up since he's been there in the last year and a half, they've been one of the better scoring teams. So, you know, you, you've got their, their head coach saying, hey, we got to get rid of the defensive coordinator. Now we got to get rid of the offensive coordinator. There's nobody left to get rid of for a, a team that seems to just at times be inept. And Stephon Diggs, whether or not he's happy, that relationship is good or bad. He's got his brother, Trayvon Diggs, now saying he needs to get out of there. How bad are things in Buffalo? They're very bad, I think. Uh, I, I think they're very bad. And talking to some people yesterday after that loss on Monday night, you know, people that are much closer to this organization that cover the Bills on a day-to-day basis, they basically framed it as, you know, Sean McDermott is just making a move to make a move. It's kind of like in life sometimes – you know, you just do something for the sake of doing something. You make a decision for the sake of making a decision. And he can't fire himself, so he's going to fire the offense coordinator. And Ken Dorsey certainly has come under a lot of fire from Bills fans. You know, Dan Olofsky did a great job sort of breaking down a, a critical play in that game on Monday night, first and Tuesday morning, where it seems like maybe you don't have enough options there, enough ways to solve the problem for Josh Allen. And while they still have a very good offense, a lot of it just seems predicated on, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs doing incredible things. And so I think Ken Dorsey was sort of an easy scapegoat in a sense, but there are other problems. They're so banged up on the defensive side of the ball. They're losing players left and right, you know, banned up up front, banned up in the secondary. They haven't really had, although it flashed at times, a strong run game to go with Josh Allen and everything he can do as a quarterback. Josh Allen leads the NFL in interceptions. Some of that's bad luck passes that are going through people's hands, but he leads the NFL in interceptions. He leads the NFL in turnovers because he has three fumbles on top of the 11 picks that he's thrown. There's a lot going wrong right now. And let's not forget, I mean, what was the main story around Buffalo back in the springtime? It was Stephon Diggs. There was yeah. something going on. He didn't come to minicamp. Now they reportedly you know, passed it all up. They kept it all in all in-house and everything. But when you get his brother going out there and say, look, he's got to get out of there, and then going on to say, hey, you know, don't forget, that guy didn't go off until my brother got there, as in Josh Allen's big third-year leap came with the arrival of Stephon Diggs. There's a lot going wrong right now. 
And this is a team that all year long has sort of played to the level of the opposition, both good and bad. But in recent weeks, you've seen them narrowly win a clunker of a game against the Giants, lose to New England, and now lose in this fashion to the Denver Broncos. It's going south quickly. And, you know, you've asked me a couple of times this season, is the window closed or is it closing in, in Buffalo? And I've sort of dipped that a little bit and said, no, 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 they're still good teams. Feels like it's closed right now. Uh, some teams that are kind of surprising I, I want to go to. By the way, we're talking with Mark Schofield of SB Nation. You can read his stuff over there and uh, talk in the NFL. The Vikings have now won five, six straight games. You've got, I had mentioned, Houston. The Jaguars were winning, and then they get punched in the mouth by the 49ers. You got the Colts back to 500 at 5-5. Five and five. The Browns get a weird win over the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, this is what the NFL is supposed to be, don't get me wrong, but there's there's a lot of things that are kind of happening that we didn't see, but it's starting to even itself out, and it's for me it's become exciting because every game seems to matter for some reason or another. But let's talk about the Vikings first and how they lose Kirk Cousins, and they still keep winning. Yeah, I mean, and, and – you know, I think there's a case to be made right now for Kevin O'Connell as coach of the year. I mean, when you look at the fact that this team, a couple of weeks ago when Cousins went down and Jefferson was hurt, it was is it time to take this idea, this notion you had of a competitive rebuild and just throw it out the window because it's time to really tear this down and rebuild. They forge ahead. They get two, you know, he had a bit of a struggle in the second half, but to Josh, for Josh Jobs to come in and play the way he has these past two weeks and deliver wins, for them to be doing this without Justin Jefferson, for them to get themselves back in to the playoff picture while doing it without two of their best offensive players is a tremendous job. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. You know, and I, I think when you sort of take a step back and look at Minnesota big picture wise, you know, not only they're sort of in right now, but They've got a very favorable schedule. I mean, their next three games, Denver, Chicago, and the Raiders. I mean, those are three very winnable games, you know, and so they've not only got themselves back into a position where they can make a run, they could even improve on their standard in the next weeks ahead. So a tremendous job, I think, from that coaching staff. You know, you wonder about the sort of twists and turns of an NFL season because we could be sitting here having a conversation about Josh Dobbs stepping in for Deshaun Watson. You know, he was on their roster, but then – you know, the rookie quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, had a very good preseason, and so Cleveland thought, okay, well, we can move on from Dobbs, and now he finds his way to Minnesota and maybe playing a different team than we thought into playoff position. What do we make of the Chargers? Uh, because every time I think that they're about ready to take hold, uh, they did put up 38 on the Lions, and the Lions have a very staunch defense, but they also gave up 41. And I keep thinking to myself, this is a team that's got quality talent and they just can't find the answer. Yeah. And, you know, you expect when you put up 38, you find a way to win a game, but you lose. And one of the issues that I think has really hurt them, and, you know, they've had injuries and they have a lot of things going on, but you hire Brandon Staley as a defensive-minded head coach who's part of the Fangio tree of defensive philosophy that has sort of taken root in many teams across the NFL with the two high looks and things like that. And you can't get stops. You can't get stops when you need them. You're giving up, you know, 41 points and losing a game when you score 38. You know, he's finding as a head coach now, but a defensive-minded head coach, that it's hard to get the kind of stops with your defense when you don't have Aaron Donald on your defensive line. Because that's all I forget. That's who he had to work with, you yeah. know, when he was with the Rams. And I, I think, 
they're a talented team. Justin Herbert is a talented quarterback. They can certainly put up points, but the issue has been defense. And it leads you to wonder, okay, well, if they decide to move on from Brandon Staley, do we see the rare situation where, you know, we often see you have an offensive coach, you go defense with the next hire. You have a player's coach, you go more sort of disciplinarian with the next hire. Would you see them go defense, defense again to think we really have to fix this? Or do they decide, you know what, we've got Herbert, let's get the most out of him. We have Kellen Moore, who seems to be doing something good with him. Maybe we just promote from within and then try to find the best defensive mind we can to take over. But it's a very talented team, but the issues are on the defensive side of the ball. When your calling card as the new head coach is defense, you can see where this is going in my mind. The, uh, the, the Denver Broncos uh, are suddenly starting to look like some kind of a team, and Russell Wilson looks like he's getting a bit of a resurgence. Did we kind of uh, not give enough credit to what – was going to happen in Denver when Sean Payton took over. It took him a while maybe to wrap his arms around the organization. Is this a team that's on the come, or is this just getting a couple of fluky wins along the way? I'm starting to think that they've got something going on. Now, I don't know if it would get them into the playoffs, but they might be a little bit more ahead of where we thought. I think what sort of overshadowed you know, the start, their start to the season was how bad they were on the defensive side of the ball. We talked about it a little bit, you know, historically, historically bad defense when you're giving up, you know, 35 and a loss to the commanders, 70 and a loss to the dolphins, you know, yes, you beat the Chicago bears, but you still give up 28, you know, that's a bad defense, but they've stabilized that side of the ball in recent weeks. I mean, the win against the chiefs and I know Mahomes was sick and all of that, but, you hold the Chiefs to nine points in 2023, you've done something right. You go on the road and you beat the Buffalo Bills. You know, I think you're doing something right. So I think they've sort of stabilized that defense in recent weeks because when you go back to some of those earlier losses or the games where they were giving up big points, well, Josh, Russell Wilson was playing pretty good. I mean, it's not the Russell Wilson of old. It's not vintage Russell Wilson, but he seems to be more comfortable. And you saw that Monday night, you know, the touchdown pass to Cortland Sutton. You know, that was sort of a, a vintage throwback Russell Wilson moment. And it seems like, you know, they're finally getting what they need on the defensive side of the ball. That offense has, you know, performed well this season or at least good enough to win some games. And it seems like they might be a little bit far ahead of where we thought they were going to be this season, particularly given some of the games early in the year. The uh, Real quick before I let you go, and I want to ask you about the Patriots and Bill Belichick. A lot of talk now about whether or not there's going to be a hard conversation between him and Robert Kraft at the end of the season. Do you think he actually loses his job or do you think they try to take away the general manager's role from him? Because it seems like that team is just bereft of talent. Yeah. And it's such a hard situation, Bill, because, you know, this is a, a coach in Bill Belichick who came up under Parcells and Parcells had the famous line. If you want me to make you dinner, you let me shop for the groceries. And he said that when Kraft wasn't willing to give him, GM duties when he was in New England. And that's what led to the separation there. Now he was willing to do that with Belichick, but it's hard to imagine how that conversation goes well. Because I do think that, you know, Belichick has made some great moves. That that scouting department over the years has made some great moves, but they've missed in recent years. And when you don't have Tom Brady to cover up those mistakes, you see what the result is and that they're they're a bad football team right now. But I can't imagine that Robert Kraft would go into his office and say, look, Bill, we've got to bring in a general manager. And Bill Belichick, under that Parcells coaching tree, is going to say, okay, sure. I just don't think it goes that way. So I think it ends with 
sort of a quote mutual pardon of the ways. But I would be at this point, you know, and, and other people closer to the organization may have said this too. I would be very surprised if he is on the sideline in New England next year. Really? Okay. I wasn't quite sure how they would uh, how they would handle that, or if he could swallow his pride to actually allow a general manager to come in and help him out. But that's uh, yeah. It's that's hard to see him. It's hard to see him sort of going along with that. Now maybe I'm wrong. And the other thing is this: Look, they need to tear down a rebuild at this point in his career when he's chasing Shula. Is that what he wants? I don't right. know. And let me just float this hypothetical out there: The Dallas Cowboys have another brutal playoff loss, early exit. And Jerry Jones decides he's had enough with Mike McCarthy. What do you think, Jerry Jones, how do you think he'd feel about calling up Bill Belichick and saying, hey, you want to get Shula's record here in Dallas? I've, I've thought about that in recent weeks, and I'm starting to come on around to that idea. Interesting, which is a good thought. Appreciate it. As always, Mark, great to talk to you. It's, I could go on and on, but I know we only have a short period of time. But thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk again next week, pal, okay? Thanks again, Bill. Thanks so much. Enjoy the games this week. Appreciate it. Uh, good stuff. Mark Schofield, SB Nation, never thought of that. Never thought of that, how interesting that would be. There's a lot of things right now. There's a lot of questions in the NFL that you can ask. Is Staley going to hold on to his job? Mike McCarthy going to hold on to his job? Bill Belichick going to hold on to his job? Maybe bringing up the rear, Matt LaFleur and company going to hold on to their jobs after the assessment is done in Green Bay if things don't get better. You know, who... Who might be on the way out? Who Who's going to stick around to see things through? You know, a lot of different stuff. The potential to be there versus what is actually there. A lot of, a lot of intriguing stuff. We'll talk about it when we come back. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Everywhere you look, from groceries to utilities to gas, prices keep going up. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin can dramatically help lower your energy costs year-round by replacing drafty windows and doors in as little as six weeks. And now you can save even more by taking advantage of no interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Bring the love of Wisconsin's outdoors in through the beauty and quality craftsmanship of Pella Windows and Doors. Whether you're updating or upgrading the look and comfort of your home, Pella has extensive lines of customizable options to meet your needs and your budget. Replacing drafty windows and doors can dramatically lower your energy costs. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin offers some of the most energy efficient windows in the industry. 0% interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Set your free in-home consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offer ends 11 2023 Welcome back. Good to have you. Last night, they had a good night uh, down at Stanley. Second to National Walker's Point. 38 years they celebrated yesterday. Congratulations to them. And a reminder, if you're heading to anything really downtown Milwaukee, going to a Bucks game, Marquette game, Admirals game, some of the shows that are downtown as well, maybe heading up to a Packers game on a weekend, they run shuttles to everything. So uh, just call Stenny's and check it out if you're looking to go to a game and maybe you want to you want to, you know, don't fight the traffic. Just get down to Stanny's, get yourself some food, get a beverage, and then uh, get to taken to and fro. Good to go down there at Stanny's. Second and National in Walker's Point. And don't forget, 
Lake Country, it's coming along, and it should open, they believe, in March. In March. So looking forward to that, too. Looking forward to that big time. Um, Michael C. says, three years ago, Aaron Rodgers said he wanted to retire as a Packer. Three years later, Gutekinds runs a four-time MVP out of town for Jordan Love. Um, <sighs> Rodgers said he was going to be a Packer for, for the rest of his life last year, too. Don't forget. And then decided he didn't want to be here. Didn't pick up his phone. Use the excuse of FaceTime. Uh, the whole thing between Rodgers and the organization, you know, it, it depends on where you want to, you know, pit your anger. If you're not a Rodgers fan, you're going to say, you know, he, he was this and that. If you're not an organizational person, whether you're not a Goody fan, a Murphy fan, LaFleur fan, whatever, you're going you're gonna to kind of, you know, put Rodgers against them. The, there was enough to go around. There really was. There was enough to go around. You know, should they have mentioned it that uh, there was this possibility of picking Jordan Love? Yeah, probably. Um, should Rodgers, as <laughs> the MVP that he is and as good as he's been, should he even felt threatened by this in any way or upset by this? The only thing I can say about Rodgers and his feelings, he probably was sitting there going, we need wide receivers. We need other guys. And instead you, you know, draft what you believe to be my replacement. And I, so I can understand his side of things. But, you know, there, there, was, there was enough crap there to go around. So I'm not, uh, not overly concerned uh, about the past. What I'm concerned more about is the future and what's going to happen to this team. And over the next three games specifically, you have got, you know, the Chargers coming to town who are a mediocre team. They make a lot of mistakes. Their defense is nowhere as near as good as it was billed to be. Justin Herbert, he's the guy that keeps saying he's knocking on the door and has potential and yada, yada. But if you don't ever realize your potential, then you're considered a bust. So Justin Herbert's kind of, it's not that he's a bust, but he's kind of coming up on that, you know, put up or shut up moment. And you got to figure Staley's going to get fired at the end of the season if they don't turn this thing around. And then his second shot at a new regime with new offense and everything, then you'll kind of see what happens. And if it doesn't flourish, then well, then you're probably going to say, yeah, he's probably, probably a bust. Can't disagree with that. But then you've got the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell who I love Dan Campbell, told his own family because uh, the whole going forward on fourth down makes people nervous, told his own family, well, if you're going to watch the games, you better wear a diaper because you may S your pants. <laughs> I love that. I just love it. That was awesome. Uh, but yeah, then you've got the, the Lions on the road, uh, national audience, Thanksgiving Day, everybody's cooking, and family's coming over. Everybody's gathering around, sitting down to the games on uh, on Thanksgiving Day. And the Packers are going to kick things off. And if they get dump truck there, oh, oh. Then after that, you, you have Kansas City. And at that point, you're kind of like, okay, well, this, this is pretty much done. I've already made my evaluation. I'm good to go. Because you don't even – you got to – how do you measure up against good teams? You know? So you got that. So I'm worried more about the here and the now. 
than I am more about, you know, what's going on in the past. Um, this is, uh, Matthew says, just have to get something off my chest. Why do some people insist on referring to Jim Leonard as Jimmy when that's not what he goes by? He's a grown-ass man, people. You know what? I I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Michael C. says, uh, last year he called Christian Watson a bust. I, a bust. I, you know, and I mentioned this yesterday when the talk was about Christian Watson and his dad defending him and such. Christian Watson, the way I look at it is this. He's been banged up, and he's never going to get rid of that moniker unless he plays two or three complete seasons without missing missing time. So he's already got a mark against him. Then he, the very first wide-open pass when he just flat-out outran everybody, he drops in Minnesota. As the season went on, then he became the sensation. We started to see what he could be. Aaron Rodgers started delivering him the football, like right down the middle of the field, in route, and off he went. And off he went. And he started scoring, and scoring numerous times. So you got a chance to kind of see what his potential was. This year, in my opinion, he's played soft. He's played really soft. He's had opportunities to either go up and make a, make a play on a 50-50 ball, come back, and at the very least, at the very least, break up, you know, interceptions. And he hasn't done it. His momentum, now granted, it's tough because his momentum takes him in one direction. And when you get that much speed, it's, tar- it's hard to stop it, specifically in midair. So I, I understand it. There's, there's, it's a fine line for what you're going to blame him for. But when Jordan loves, the majority of his interceptions have come targeting Christian Watson, whether it's because of routes overthrown, underthrown balls. And, and it, let's look, the other thing is, let's not blame it all on Christian Watson. Christian Watson has just gotten off the line of scrimmage, and by the time he gets downfield, Jordan Love doesn't have enough arm to get it to him. So some of these balls have been underthrown, but Christian Watson also has to understand that he has to go back and break those things up. But to say he's a bust right now, I'm not ready to proclaim that, only for the fact that I'm kind of hoping that he's able to stick with it and turn it around. That's what I'm hoping for. But if he doesn't, and he doesn't look any better, and we see the same problems and the same inconsistency, then maybe I would go in that direction and say, you know what, he should have never been chosen in that particular spot. If he was a fifth-round guy, he would not be a bust. Right? He wouldn't be. But where he was chosen, yeah, you would start to think that and say, you know what, you put a lot of eggs in that Christian Watson basket and he's not the guy. He's not the guy. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Let's do this. I'll take some more, especially off the live stream, some more emails to get to. Phone calls, if you want to chime in, 877-867-1670. I want to get your thoughts. By the way, Quay Walker is practicing today. That's good news. But Jair, he is not practicing today, which is not good news. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. Another hour and a half yet to go. We'll be back right after. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Welcome back. Good to have you. Glad you're with us today. Certainly appreciate it. 877-867-1670. Uh, this is from uh, Jason. Jason said, incredibly intriguing if Bill Belichick would wind up in Dallas with Jerry Jones. As Jerry likes to do a lot of things himself, how much of a power struggle would it be with Bill Belichick? I, I, that's Mark Schofield brought that up at the top of the hour, and he said, hey, look, if, if by chance, because something has to be done uh, in, in New England. I mean, New England is just awful. They're an awful football team. It was, it was a, some really bad drafting choices. Uh, not much talent on that team when it comes to breakout players. A lot of the things that we're talking about here in, in Green Bay, as a matter of fact. So do you think that Robert Kraft brings Bill Belichick into the office and says, hey, uh, this ain't working. You know, uh, since Tom left, uh, you had the good season with Mac Jones, his first season. It looked like probably one of his better coaching jobs to get them uh, close to getting into the postseason. But it just it, it didn't work out, and then it's, it's regressed since. And for the most part, for all part, it's been Bill Belichick and his choices as a general manager that's sinking the head coach. So you wonder what that conversation is going to be like and if Bill's going to be able to swallow his pride and say, you know what, I want to, re- I want to remain here. I want to break that coaching record here. Uh, but then again, if I'm Robert Kraft, I'm like, look, I- I'm not here for you to break records. I'm here for you to win. And granted, they have to go hand in hand, but I don't want you to hang on for three years just to break a record and then get out of here. I want you to, you know, want you to win championships again. That's, that's what the goal is. So I think they have to bring in a general manager, somebody that's going to be able to wrap their arms around the organization and, uh, and really kind of get a hold of a lot of the lack of talent they have. So is Bill able to kind of swallow his pride and say, okay, I'm good with that. Or is he, you know, one out. And if things like Mark said, hey, let's say the, the Dallas Cowboys get one win and they're done, or you know, one game and they're done, they're one and done in the postseason. Do they fire Mike McCarthy? And then would Bill Belichick, who would be the, the biggest fish in the pond out there, if he's unemployed, would Jerry Jones make that leap? And would Bill Belichick be able to make that leap? Or would he want to go in a different direction? Would there be another franchise that would want to take him on, and if he wants to be the general manager, would that even happen? Or would Bill say, no, I'm not going to coach anymore if I can't be the GM too? Because I don't know many organizations that are going to do that. There's not many. And especially with Bill's most recent track record uh, over the last three, four years uh, of being the general manager as well as the head coach and not being able to win with the talent that he's chosen. So – that in, that's incredibly intriguing. It really is. Um, uh, what is this? Ty, Tyrus, T-H-Y-R-U-S, Tyrus. Tyrus uh, asked, would you take Bill Belichick as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers if they fire Matt LaFleur? Um, I, I think if you got the head coach, yes. I, I'd take him in a heartbeat. He's old school, but he wants to win. I'd take him in a heartbeat. Now. Two things that would drive me nuts. One is if, if they said, hey, we're going to make you the general manager too. No, I don't want that. No, I don't want any part of that. We've seen that. Uh, however, as somebody in the media, <laughs> he's a train wreck, man. He just is. He, he just he hates to talk to the media. 
and is just such a condescending ass. And that's and people hate it already here. Can you imagine if he's not winning and he's that way in Green Bay with the storied history this franchise has and you know the people that are watching the condescension that I I couldn't imagine it. Couldn't imagine it. It, it would just it it would be oof. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, 877-867-1670. Thomas says, I cannot see Bill going to Dallas either. It would be a perfect scenario because he would have a good defense. He would already have a quarterback that I don't think can win, but an established quarterback. He would have some weapons if they get him – a couple more pieces, I mean, the way he can coach his mind as a coach, it it might work. It might work. But again, it's it's whether or not he's willing to put the ego aside and not be the general manager. Because if I'm an owner, any owner in the National Football League, do I want his acumen as a head coach? Absolutely. Do I want him anywhere near a general manager's war room trying to make draft choices and such? Hell no. No. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like he's a dummy. But Bill is, and I only know this, you know, through people who have covered that team, that he is just, it's my way or the highway, and I don't give a damn what you have to say. So, and Rick, you're right. Look, his predecessor was Bill Parcells. And as he said, the famous saying, if you want me to make the dinner, I'm going to go buy the groceries. Well, it doesn't work that way. It didn't work for Parcells. And there have been many coaches who have failed as the, as the head coach and the GM. Because ultimately what starts to happen is you start to draft for need rather than just best available. And when you start to do that, that's no, that's you, you, you know, can't, can't do it. Can't do it. Because then what you're doing is putting a person in position to fill a need rather than just elevate the level of talent on your team. Now, if it comes down to equal on all sides, yeah, you go ahead and make the choice for the need over something else, but, but no. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Media is a little bit more likely to have your back. People are a little bit more excited and, and probably willing to stand with you during the thin times if you're not miserable. But Bill Belichick's right. always been miserable. So if you're not winning, yeah. what part of this is fun for anybody, you know? Right, right. I completely agree. And and here's the thing. It's like the worse it gets, the more of a jag he gets. It's like... You know, somebody just said it looks like he's facing hurricane winds every time he does a press conference. He is now because the questions are mounting. It's like, dude, this is terrible. You know, do you have any fear that you could possibly lose your job? I'm just going to the next one, next opponent. I'm just on the next opponent. You can't say that anymore. Explain why you are so bad. And then he does the can't tackle, can't score, can't play defense. You know, it's like, okay, just don't even come out here. You're worthless. And, oh, by the way, you're not even winning anymore. And, you know, I know that somebody brought this up. They said, look at his record without Brady before and after. 
He did have Drew Bledsoe going to a Super Bowl. They had that team on that trajectory, okay? So he did it with Bledsoe. Prior to that in Cleveland, terrible record. After Brady left, terrible record. So I understand what you're saying, but you can't deny that the guy had decades of success. They were the modern-day star in Lombardi, and you can't deny that. You can't just say, throw out all of that because Brady, as good as he is, can't do it without a staunch defense, can't do it without great schemes, can't do you know. And, and I know somebody said yesterday, well, you, you can win without a Hall of Fame quarterback because look at what Brady did. He just took what the defense gave him, but he's a Hall of Famer. If you think he's not, you're, you're smoking rope. He, he could deliver the downfield ball. The, that offense opened up like nobody's business when they picked up Randy Moss. He could deliver the downfield ball and throw a tremendous strike. He can throw quick outs. But he never had big-time talent continuously to work with on the wideout position. I mean, he made Julian Edelman a star. You know, you took guys like that that were just gutsy players, got them the ball, let them, did their, let them do their thing. But he also is a guy much like Rodgers, much like Joe Montana, much like Dan Marino, much like all these guys that could come to the line of scrimmage and decipher everything right away and see it. Peyton Manning, same thing. And Peyton Manning, everybody considers to be a tremendous, tremendous quarterback, right? I think we all do. A couple of rings, yeah, I get it. One ring, he did it with defense, but nevertheless, one of the smartest guys in the room. And he was beating Peyton Manning when they would run into each other pretty consistently in the postseason. So... I'm not going to take anything away from Brady as, quote, a game manager uh, because it seems, it seems to be an ugly word. All you need got are guys to be game, especially when you have good defenses. Be a game manager. Move the ball, put points on the board, turn it over to your defense. That's all you need to do. It's pretty simple. I, I, I hate when we talk about game manager as, as a dirty or a bad thing. Like, Josh Allen has lost to Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and a not great Russell Wilson Broncos team if you just don't turn the ball over in those games. Just don't turn the ball mm-hmm. over. You win. And some quarterbacks struggle with that. That's what Brady was amazing at, is realizing, I don't need to take risk. I just need to do the simple things, and we can win. Game manager is not a bad thing. Brady was so good at that. Right. No, completely agree. Completely agree. Let's do this. We're going to step out, take a quick break. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Everywhere you look, from groceries to utilities to gas, prices keep going up. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin can dramatically help lower your energy costs year-round by replacing drafty windows and doors in as little as six weeks. And now you can save even more by taking advantage of no interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Bring the love of Wisconsin's outdoors in through the beauty and quality craftsmanship of Pella Windows and Doors. Whether you're updating or upgrading the look and comfort of your home, Pella has extensive lines of customizable options to meet your needs and your budget. Replacing drafty windows and doors can dramatically lower your energy costs. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin offers some of the most energy efficient windows in the industry. 0% interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Set your free in-home consultation today at PellaWI.com.
Good to have you back. The Bill Michael Show continues. Glad to have you on board. Another hour of the program yet to go after this one. Looking forward to it. Tonight, you got the Bill Michael Subtle 6 to 8, all Packers all the time. And we'll talk with Mike Clemens coming up tonight as well. So looking forward to that. We'll hear more from inside the Packers locker room. And we'll make our NFL picks coming up later this evening as we take the look around the NFL. So a lot of good stuff going. A lot of good games this week, too. Uh, this is from Jack. Jack wants to know your thoughts, my thoughts, on uh, Michigan getting suspended uh, for the final three games, and that basically meaning Jim Harbaugh. Jack, here's the thing about the Michigan stuff. Panetti, uh, he had to. This whole thing about due process, you can find out if there's more to it than this, but they have enough evidence to say, look, you cheated. You were cheating. Systemic cheating. If you want to blame the head coach or if you want to tell you the head coach didn't know, either way, it doesn't matter. You were caught cheating. And the fact that they want to act like the whole thing of America's team, it's like, what? He talks about how, you know, well, everybody loves a team that faces adversity and comes back as a reclamation. And, you know, nobody loves a cheater. Nobody. Tom Brady's one of the most heralded, one of the most heralded players of all time, and still is labeled a cheater because of Deflate Gate and Video Gate, whatever the hell we wanted to call it. I mean, nobody loves a cheater. You were busted, and yet they kind of play the victim in this. Oh my God, I can't believe that we've been so, you know, we've been so, you know, screwed on all of this. It's like, what? Uh, how, how do you mean you've been screwed on all of this? Nothing, nothing's really happened to Michigan. And, and here's the other embarrassing factor in all of this is that he's still allowed to coach right up until game time. He just isn't allowed to coach in the games. So if they really wanted to hammer him, it was like, go away. Get out of here. Go home. Don't be around your program. Don't be around your guys. Don't be talking to your assistants. Nothing. You are fully suspended. But they didn't even do that. So where Michigan kind of gets off acting like they're somehow the victim or the target, and the whole thing with Ohio State being involved in this, where they they make all these claims that, you know, that it, this is driven by Ryan Day and somebody who Ryan Day knows or is part of their family. or so. It's like, look, but you can't deny the evidence. You can't deny the video of your guy on the sidelines of other fields. You can't deny the paper trail. You can't deny the video that's been brought back and shown to your head coach and your assistants that was gathered by this particular person. You can't deny that. You can say, yeah, and blow smoke and mirrors and say, well, look over here, they did it too, or this person did that, or they did this. And I'll tell you this right now, they would do the exact same thing to Ohio State if they could. So I don't want to hear it. You got busted. You're the one that got caught. If everybody else is doing it, everybody else is conspiring against you, okay, so be it. Point it out the time up. 
You know, they talk about Rutgers and Ohio State getting together and conspiring against them for the Big Ten Championship last year. You know, they still dump-trucked Purdue. It is what it is. But the bottom line is they got caught. So this whole thing about kind of being the victim, I, it's, it's like you're the big bad bully on the block and now you're, the, you're claiming you're the victim when you got busted cheating. Nobody likes a cheater. Nobody likes a liar. And not a lot of people like Har- Harbaugh. So stop acting like you're like some disen- disenfranchised group of people that are nomads wandering the wasteland all by your lonesome. It- it's like stop. Just stop it. So that's my take on it. I'm not a Michigan fan to begin with, but, man, when you you got video of a guy on a sideline dressed up in opponent's gear videotaping the upcoming opponent, it's like, come on. Got another hour yet to go. Good stuff. Hang in there. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next.